God, I think I'm be sick. Why? Did you not save it? Did you not record it? I did, but for some reason, only six seconds are recorded. Are you kidding? No. Luckily, I record on clean feed, but it's not going to be as good quality. <laughs> Why has that not happened? Who had truth last time? I've forgotten. It was you. So you're hosting. Yes. Wasn't, Host- prepared, wasn't prepared for that mentally. <laughs> Get your head in the game, Michael. Okay, can we have a couple of seconds of silence? The silence is now turning into me trying to think how to introduce this week's. I feel like you've got to mix it up a bit, haven't you? Don't want, <laughs> don't want the same things every week. Because I realised I hadn't scripted it. And then I listened back to two of them and I said almost the exact same things both times. But do you know what? I, I don't think I mind that for the first bit because the bit afterwards is always unscripted and different. It's like, very true. I put on um, a podcast and Kind of Funny um, and as it was buffering, I just turned shorter and went, what's up everybody? And she looked like I was an idiot. And then literally <laughs> that's exactly how he, because he always starts his thing with that. Oh, okay. um, so like... I don't know, there's almost like a comfort, you know what I mean, familiarity in it. Okay, I got it, I got it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the <laughs> Mammoth. <laughs> nah. Alright, you ready? Yeah. Hello, and welcome to the Mammon Podcast, a podcast where me and Mike go through our two two personal top fives. That's not quite right, is it? That's technically right. But a bit more than two. <laughs> our two top fives, though, or both our top fives is what it should be. <laughs> yeah. I'm no good at these sort of things. <laughs> Right, hold on. Do you want me to introduce? <laughs> no, I've got this. I've got this, Mike. <laughs> Slam down my pen in frustration now. Hello and welcome to Mammon, the only podcast where you can listen to two mics on mic discussing their own personal top fives. In the past, we've had our childhood video games, documentaries, and now this week, we're on to the top five rom-coms. Now, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host. It's Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, Mike. How are you today? Yeah, not bad. Good, good. You ready for rom-coms? Yeah, I thought I thought this was going to be a much easier topic than it was. And then I realised all the films I've picked, I obviously like, they're in my top five. But then I, read, I, just, I thought I liked rom-coms more than I did. And it made me realise rom-coms are like an easy Sunday film. Oh, definitely. But there's none that I've gone, oh, this, yeah, this is not just top five rom-coms. This could be in my top five films or anything like that. Um, which isn't a problem. So I still think they're all enjoyable. Definitely recommended. Uh, well, I think most people have seen all of mine. Um, there are some really bad ones, though. Lauren, I don't think she put it on on purpose, but I think it was on Channel 5 the other day, and she just kept it on. And I really hope it's not on one of your top five. But started listening to Made... Not listening. Um, started watching Made in Manhattan. Seen it. Yeah. It's an awful film. I'd Did never you? watch... Yeah, I did not enjoy it. I mean, like I said, I don't know. I don't think I would have put it in um, my, my top, but... Thank God. I thought you are changing your list right now. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> no, I, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't care for Jennifer Lopez's acting in it. And the ridiculous scenario as well. But I suppose rom-coms need a semi-ridiculous scenario to get a plot, because otherwise it's just boy meets girl, boy falls in love with girl, or girl meets boy, and girl falls in love with boy. Or they both fall in love with each other. Otherwise, it's a bit unrequented love. But by the way, if you went, if you wonder why I went a bit quiet, I just changed my number one choice. Oh, is it? And you, you know, you know how I said that no, none of my films would could go in my top five. Yeah, this could have done. Okay, I just forgot about it until right now. I think maybe I'll talk. I'll talk about it more when I get to it. But it's 
maybe not a traditional rom-com, but it's definitely romantic. Okay, so I'm going to say it now. I don't think... What was that? (laughs) That was a stone cup holder that's now just broken. That was scary. (laughs) Oh, shit. Do you need time to sort that out? No, I'm all right. You sure? Yeah, the show goes on. (laughs) That's commitment. Um, Yeah, I don't think any of mine... Well, some of them are. I think traditional rom-coms are the wrong words. When you think traditional rom-com, I don't know, I'm thinking of films like um, Pretty Woman. I uh, can't think of any others off the top of my head. That's what I'd consider like a traditional rom-com. But okay, and what's traditional about it? I don't know. It just feels like almost a classic, per se. I think that's probably the better word, a classic rom-com. But, do you know what? The, the more I thought about it, rom-com as a genre is so vague, but I, I feel like all genres are bullshit. You know what I mean? You look at so many films that are... Really, there's four or five genres within that. Like, you know, Maze Runner has so many sort of, uh, like, horror conventions in there. But yeah. it's, you know, dystopian. But then some people argue that's, you know, young adult or, you know, sort of teenage sort of film. Like, I think it's all about marketing, really. I think genres are more about getting an audience in. Yeah. I, I don't think there's that many films now or books that necessarily really lean into okay, this is the genre we are, and we're committing to that. I think they all try and bring in diff- lots of different elements. Yeah, there's one that I've bumped down now to my, again, changing mine at last minute. I changed mine just before the episode. Um, I bumped one down to my honourable em- mentions, and that's got four different, um, well, actually, I'd, I'd say five different genres in which yeah. romance and comedy are one of them. So it's technically a rom-com in that regard, but I don't think people would consider it to be a rom-com when they think about it. That's why one of my honourable mentions is is an honourable mention, not an actual um, choice. Yeah. Right, should we get down to the nitty-gritty? Let's do it. Right, so number five, what have you chosen? Um, well, this, I think, is weird because, again, it's marketed in that, like you say, traditional, almost like pretty woman rom-com, uh, where I feel like it was aiming for, like, particularly in the era it came out with, a sort of a female audience. But actually, it was quite clearly totally written by a guy because this is, I think, almost like a male teenage fantasy. Okay. Uh, and that's, I think we've all dreamt or had a daydream where we meet this attractive celebrity we fancy in a normal uh, like scenario and they fall in love with us partly because we're normal, sort of to escape their sort of maybe celebrity lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, and it's one of those ones, like, how cool would it be if, uh, you know... I took uh, my girlfriend to the pub and it turned out to be this like world-renowned actress, singer, whatever. So do you I not think this is one that, that I would call the classic rom-com. Yeah, and I think as well, because of um, the other Mr. classics that they've done, Yeah, uh, it, would, it had to be on there. So I have gone for Notting Hill. Yeah. Which I think has... I think it was a perfect first choice uh, for number five to start this off because it's written by Richard Curtis, who's obviously done things like, is it uh, Five Weddings and a Funeral? Five Weddings and a Funeral, About Time. Love Actually. Not Love Boat, something boat. Don't Rock the Boat. The Boat boat that Rock, that's it, yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's got Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts, so two classic, uh, you know, sort of rom-com actors. Um, And yeah, like I say, it took on that sort of... Uh, I think male fantasy um, of this guy who just works in a bookshop and he's just a normal guy. And this I was, gonna, I was literally about to say them. the whole male fantasy is it you as well being a proper book lover 
was that side of it also a big quirk for you? Yeah, I guess so. Do you know, the irony is I only watched it in my first time in my, like, 20s as well. I seem to remember it being really popular growing up and, like, you know, people say one of those classic films you've got to watch. And I think yeah. because of that, I was like, no, I won't like it because it's popular because <laughs> I'm an edgy dick of a 15-year-old one. Oh, I used to do that sort of thing all the time, though. But, yeah, yeah. no, it's a great film, though. I can't, like, I've not seen it for a very long time. I've definitely watched it within the last five years. But it is brilliant. And great range of British actors in there, as you'd expect from a um, Richard Curtis film. Yeah, definitely. And I don't know, it's just, for me, that it has, maybe it leans in more to the, the it leans more maybe into the, the drama. It takes itself a bit more seriously than rom-coms. I think sometimes rom-coms can be a bit slapstick and a bit silly. And I'm not saying there's not a place for that. Obviously, they're popular. Um, but I think I liked this because it it, it, it sort of took itself seriously in, in a way in what was really quite a silly idea um so yeah i think i think i enjoyed that because you could sort of lose yourself in the film a little bit and like you say i almost forgot that it was a comedy and romance and, and more watched it for a drama I'd say. yeah well julia roberts herself has been in plenty of rom-coms so she said but in fact the two leads they are like rom-com heroes really the amount of rom-coms yeah. that they've been in is insane so put it pairing the two together just worked perfectly and Hugh Grant's one of those actors who um, just plays himself, I think, predominantly. Um, and I think because he does it so well, it, it works. You know, he doesn't need to, to try other things. Although I've read an interview that he says he feels that sort of Richard Curtis did that to him, if you know what I mean, because oh, of the films he was him. in. Yeah, and then that typecast him for other films, so he struggled to get in more serious roles. So I've not watched it, but... Um, that was one of the reasons he was desperate to do the. I think it's called the Undoing, a TV show he did. Yeah, um, because I've he seen wanted to take Gogglebox. a diff- I'd love to hear. Have you not seen it either? No, I've not seen it. I'd love someone's comment on Facebook or Twitter, Mammon Podcast at Twitter or on Facebook, or email us at mammonpodcast at hotmail dot com. Yeah, um, with if they've seen the Undoing, and does because he, he said he's not playing Hugh Grant, and obviously I know it's a bit more of a series, so it won't be the Hugh Grant of Notting Hill and things, but. Is he still just Hugh Grant? I'd like to think that he still couldn't escape it himself. <laughs> Having seen little clips from, like, say, Gogglebox, I think he has see- he has escaped it, but he still plays that. I don't know. You still see him in that role, unfortunately, because he has been typecast for so long. Mm. Like when I was watching it, I was just like, "What's Hugh doing? Like he doesn't do this sort of thing." But what? maybe that's yeah. I don't know. But I think it's because he has been in these roles for so long. You. It's shocking to see him do something else. You don't, you almost don't, not respect it. That's the wrong word, but you don't appreciate it as much, per se. Yeah, well, he he did a half decent rom com called The Rewrite, where he he plays a uh, uh, a writer who had one book that did well, and he's never been able to write anything since. Or is it a film? He might be a scriptwriter, and then he goes and teaches that at University of America, uh, and he's meant to be this sort of jaded. Um, ex-writer who doesn't really want the gig he's got but he has to to make a bit of money yeah uh, and I, I felt that clearly must have, must have like resonated with him like yeah that's how i feel like this jaded actor who's always known for one role and he wants to break out and i was like the irony is you've become hugh grant playing hugh grant <laughs> yeah. almost in it but i feel like you could write a whole um bit on rom we could do a top five on rom-coms of hugh grant yeah definitely there's so many just having a look here about a boy love actually bridget jones one and two Music and lyrics, American dreams, four weddings. It's just he's. What's that one that. that he says ended his career pretty much? With was it with Sarah Michelle Gellar? No, not Sarah Michelle Gellar. Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, is that was it? Two weeks notice? Is that a film? No, that one did well. 
Uh, let me find it. I can't remember what it's about now. Did you hear about the Morgans? That's it. Oh, yes. He said he couldn't get a call back. He couldn't get a direct. He couldn't get in a... In a uh, uh, audition for for years after that. It absolutely ruined his. Well, actually, when you go when you go on um, IMDb, his that was in two thousand nine. They didn't get anything afterwards until twenty twelve, and one of those was Cloud Atlas. So quite a different sort of route for him. Yeah, I think he really struggled after that. Too. I yeah. think he said it killed him as a as a leading man, as a romantic lead in these types of films. No one wanted to touch him after that because of how dreadful the film was. And how what well brought him back though was Paddington Two because that is genuinely a brilliant film and he plays the villain so well. <laughs> so yeah, good choice, cool. strong choice, like it. Okay, time for your first. I'm really worried. This is a not obscure one, but because it's definitely not obscure, but I think it might be a bit obscure for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big fan of Kevin Smith films. Yeah, and he did a rom com with Ben Affleck, and I'm not on about that awful Jersey Girls. He did one called Chasing Amy. Yeah, I've heard loads about it. I've never watched any of the Clerks films. Um, to my I, day, I know. So I love the Clerks films. I'm not a big fan of Jay and Silent Bob. I think they're it's sort of the humour's gone a bit too far for me. It's too too crude. But I think Clerks and Dogma, Chasing Amy, More Rats, it keeps it a bit more level headed. However, saying that, Chasing Amy, I originally in my head had as number three. I then rewatched every single one of um the rom-coms I've selected and I bumped it down to number five just because I feel the time it was made in 1997 some of the words that they used don't quite fit in my head now it's not as PC as it should be but basically the plot is about a comic book artist Ben Affleck who falls in love with a woman like the idea of her to begin with and then he realizes that she's a lesbian (laughs) <laughs> but he tells it's, it's that classic trope man falls in love with lesbian yeah um but and again it's that male fantasy almost isn't it you you t- you could be the person that um turned them like that's possible but that's like, kind of what happens choice. so he tells oh, her no. <laughs> he tells her that he loves her and she gets so angry and the whole time you sort of you're thinking that really ben affleck is the main focus of the story and everything but actually he is a massive turd like he is not the hero of this story. It's um, Joey Lauren Ad- Adams who plays um, Alicia Jones, and she plays it so well. And every like every time she has a massive rant about anything, she is so in the right. So after um, uh, Ben Affleck's character tells her that he loves her, she's like, "How dare you? What gives you the right to be telling that to me?" But then they do eventually sleep together and form a relationship. But she's sort of like unsure about the whole thing and he's always looking at her past the fact that she was a lesbian and can't get over the fact of that either and it causes a lot of tension in their friendship and relationship and it's, it is actually a really nice story when you watch it but it's also quite i think it's a bit dated but it is also a brilliant story i yeah well spoiler alert if you're if you're wanting to watch chase and amy based on this um recommendation then you know skip ahead a bit or or take your headphones out. Just quickly, does he end up with her at the end? No. So he's um his friend played by Jason Lee, um, doesn't like it and digs up dirt about um Alicia Jones. And eventually Ben Affleck he hears a story from um Silent Bob, who tells this story about how he's um he was in a relationship but couldn't get past um his girlfriend's 
sort of sexual exploits from previous and he sort of let that get to him so much she got away from him and he's always been sort of her name was Amy and he's always been chasing Amy so so to speak like in his head like that's the girl who got away and every girl is sort of trying to follow that yeah um so but in the end Ben Affleck's character suggests a threesome between uh Alicia Jones and Banky Edwards who's played by Jason Lee doesn't go down well in the slightest um she's not happy with it and yeah says that the proposal's offensive and leaves year later they sort of meet up again at a comic book convention and it's sort of like you can tell that the relationship sort of passed and they're sort of sort of congratulating each other over the success of their um comic books that they're writing and it's just a nice moment and that that's really it there's no more to it than that it is like there's no happy ending per se about that that bit they don't get together in the end but it made them both realize actually we need to be who we are and not try and pretend to be these people so it has sort of that sort of moral message almost. Or, yeah, or, I'm trying yeah. to find, there was a quote um, that a famous person says, and I think it's quite good. That was it. So Robert Ebert, or Ebert, of um, the Chicago Sun-Times gave it three and a half out of four stars, saying, while on this... Wait, wait, they rate things out of four stars? And then give them half. Yeah, what? how weird's that? <laughs> so it's technically a rating out of eight. Fuck, I hate that. <laughs> But yeah, so he says, while on the surface of this of his um, film sparkles with sharp, ironic dialogue, deeper issues are forming and chasing Amy develops into a film of touching insights. Most romantic comedies place phony obstacles in the way of true love, but Smith knows that at some level there's nothing funny about being in, like, being in love. And that's what I quite like about it. It's like, sometimes you, you can't help your feelings. I mean, I feel like if you're a lesbian, you, you can sort of... <laughs> No, it's clues in the title. <laughs> You're not going to fall in love with Ben Affleck. No, it, it is a genuinely good film, but unfortunately, because I I didn't agree with some of the language that was being done. But the whole like like Bank, Bank, Banky Edwards is portrayed as this. He's it's implied that he's actually gay himself. Right. So the bigoted language that he's using is like his suppression of it all. But yeah, it doesn't hold up well. It doesn't hold up well in my head. Some of it. But it's, it's, like I say, still an entertaining film. I'd still recommend it to people because you can't hide from the past and the language that we use, as I think we've said in previous um, episodes. you got to sort of move forwards from the way that we used to be and learn from those things. And this is a good film to do that with. Well, going on Chicago's bullshit rating system, out of seven mammons, how many mammons would you <laughs> give this film? I'd give it five and a half. That's a lot of mammons. It is. Okay. <laughs> Moving on to... Are we on number four now? Well, should we introduce it nicely? Okay. Right. So that's our top five picks done. Should we move on to your number four choice? Let's do it. Um, this one, talking of this idea of genres being sort of melded, I think I like this one because it has a sort of... Uh, I guess I'd say it's fancy rather than sci-fi element to it. Um, and I feel like the 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 time travel element it introduces becomes as interesting if not more interesting than the uh the, the sort of romance and comedy side of it so that is and you've already mentioned it, it's another i didn't realize it was richard curtis but it's another sure richard it curtis film about time lovely i thought it was a uh, richard curtis yeah i've just googled it. it is i've never actually watched this one but it's always been one on my wish list of films to watch yeah so... if, if you're watching this and you don't like rom-coms because it's a bit too cheesy it's a bit too on the nose um a bit like sounds like chasing amy almost i think 
a rom-coms being used to sell this idea but the actual film looks at, at, at bigger issues and this idea of like consequences and, and playing with time and and the influence that can have and, and the butterfly effect like there's um i don't want to give too many spoilers away but there's a a moment where he goes back in time to spend more time with someone who he's lost and then that affects his uh, things that have happened in the future. So he comes back and a, a character is not the same character that he had before because he's gone back, he's changed something and that sort of butterfly effect has, has changed a young character to not be the same young character that he, he'd uh, known for the last Which, few years. Can I just say... I know the butterfly effect is a concept and everything, mm-hmm. but the film The Butterfly Effect with Ashton Kutcher, what a great film that was. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And anyway. I love that it had multiple endings as well. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Um, so, yeah, I think it's just nice. It's um, It's got, I think the comedies, again, it's a bit subtler than some of the more slapstick sort of comedies. I think uh, Bill Nye is just brilliant in it, like as this uh, sort of cool dad. <laughs> oh, he is a cool dad. If you're ever yeah. going to have a dad, you'd want it to be. If you're ever going to want a dad, <laughs> everyone's got a dad. <laughs> dad listen to this as well. <laughs> um, he listens. He says he's going to pick and choose. Well, Mr. Yeah. Ellingham, <laughs> turns out he's your least favourite child. You can put him third on the list now <laughs> because he wants to replace you. But with Dad, Bill yeah, Nye. I'd rather you be Bill Nye. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, Rachel McAdams is really good in it, and uh, Domino Hall Gleeson, who I think was in Harry Potter. I yeah, think he, he played like Percy for a few films. Was it Percy? It was one of the older um, ones. He was also General Hux in Star Wars. No, he was Bill. It was he Bill? Yeah, and he was in Black Mirror. He's got some really cool credits. Oh yeah, he's, he's a brilliant uh, actor. Yeah, and um, yeah, like I say, it's it's fun, it's quirky, and I think that I don't know. I, I've always loved that time travel um trope i think it's it's overdone but it's it's great you know i think we've we've said it before with my back to the future choice which if you haven't watched top five films go back and listen to now um (laughs) if done right time travel can be really good sometimes it's not quite done right and it doesn't work and you just sit there picking holes in it but as long as it's done right it's really good but i think i think what's great about it as well is time travel as a concept is complex it is oh yeah difficult to understand but we've all seen so many films on it that it's no longer complex like that's what i love about this about time um you know and they introduce it and they have that sort of that exposition moment where you know he sits down and explains time travel to his son but really it's to the audience they don't really <laughs> need to that much and they sort of so gloss over it because it's like no you know <laughs> the audience has seen enough time travel films now we don't need to spend time and time again so like i say like some of the issues of you know because that's always the big thing about time travel isn't it it's like it starts off this is cool and then it always tries to explore okay what would be the repercussions of actually having this power um and again you know about time doesn't have to hit you on the nose on it you can visibly show that through decisions we know enough about oh no he's fucked up here yeah he doesn't need to sit down and say oh no this has all happened because i've caused x in the time space continuum which has caused <laughs> this ripple effect like we you know we know about it now we know what's happening and uh I think that makes these time travel films easy because they don't have to explain everything to us anymore because we've seen enough of them. Yeah. No, um, it's one that, like I say, I do want to go out and watch at some point. I'm annoyed I've not watched it because I've just seen this out in two, was out in 2013. I've had seven, eight years now to go and watch this. There's no excuse at this point. Well, I rewatched it about a year ago. And like what I love about seeing films, obviously it's not old. What is it, seven, eight years old? But, you know, like 
old in, in the terms of like films, isn't it? Landscape. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I was like, is that Margaret Robbie? Yeah. <laughs> when I'm on TV, I was like, yeah, that's such a random like. <laughs> I love it when you pick role. up on people that turn out to be big actors in our, like early days. Yeah, and I think that's that's what's great about it. It's like, you know, you look through and you're like, shit, this has got so many good actors in. And, and I've mentioned before, sometimes I struggle with British films and shows because I, I find like American films and shows are generally speaking a bit more over the top. So I'm not looking for high quality acting. Whereas with English shows, I can really tell the difference between really good actors and the really, you know, sort of the EastEnders actors where it's like, you almost cringe a bit listening to them talking. You're like, oh, this is so bad. Like, yeah. You've just taken me out of the film. There's a reason that like Ian Bill's only ever been in Ian Bill. <laughs> been, been in EastEnders, sorry. Do you know what, though? I'd love to see him like a Scorsese film or something. Like, can we campaign for that? Is there a campaign website where we can set this up? That'd be amazing. Fun fact, by the way. Did you know? You know Little Mo from EastEnders? Is Little Mo old? Yeah. Yeah. Not Little Mo. Big Mo. Little Mo's the small one, obviously. Big Mo. Oh, maybe. I'll Google it as you yeah. talk. But that's... um, it, it makes more sense if you know who she is, to be fair. It's more of an interesting fact, then. Big Mo. Yeah. Not really. Oh, well. But those who do know who she is, that's actually um Gary Oldman's sister. And that must is be it? Really, yeah, it must be really awkward around the dinner table, because one's literally a big award-winning actor i don't think he's ever did he win an oscar for darkest hour i think he did um and one of them's little mo from eastenders not little mo big mo i keep saying little mo big mo from eastenders nice i love little facts like that i know obviously a creative family yeah so let's hear your number four michael Ingham. yeah so on the topic of um seeing actors that end up becoming big actors just googling this person she's only really been in two films that I'd consider big before this, and that's The Hole and Star Wars Episode One, and that's Kira Knightley in Bend It Like Beckham. What a film! Yeah. So when I was younger, for some reason, I saw it far too many times as a kid at the cinema. Um, but it's just a great <laughs> film. It's really enjoyable. Like As everyone listening to this is probably aware now, I'm not massively into football or anything, but that doesn't make this any less of a good film. It really is just one of the... I can't think of any other great romantic comedy sport. Actually, Wimbledon. I can think of one other great romantic comedy sports film. (laughs) But this was the original in my eyes and the best. So for those who don't know about it, it's about an Indian girl who wants to play football, but obviously her parents don't want her to. They want her to find a nice Indian man, settle down and get married. But she just wants to play football, and that's what she wants in life. And it's just about challenging the expectations of what these women should have to do in life like speaking as a white british male i can't really speak for that their side of it but i believe it really challenged what they're sort of having to do in their life that makes sense yeah kind of (laughs) well i think um i think as well what's great about this film though to sort of build on what you just said britain's a really multicultural society Mm -hmm. and this was the first time I saw maybe some of the uh, some of the issues, you know, like the realistic issues of maybe what people would face, like from different Cultures. societies growing up. Yeah. Like, I think you know, when you're young, you don't sort of notice it as much, do you? you just no, definitely not. To it, uh, and like you say, so it's great to get a different perspective on it, isn't it? Yeah, and I really liked. Obviously, they went down um, women's football routes, and 
it sort of like picked a few different sort of unexpected scenarios back it back in the time as well. Like it wasn't really that big women playing football and women's football wasn't as big back then. So it sort of like played on that, but actually did a really good job of representing different cultures and everything like that. Really, really love it. Do you know what as well from like a sort of more modern point? It was great because it always stuck with me. You know, sort of like general knowledge that maybe I didn't, I didn't really know much about women's football before this film. Um, but this idea that you know America was the only way if you wanted to really make money, make a career out. Yeah, they went to um, Santa Carla University to yeah get scholarships. And then now, you know, in more modern football with the Women's Super League, you get in uh, like professional teams like Man United have just sort of reintroduced their women's team. They got promoted to the Premier League. They're doing really well. Um, and you, then you get in British clubs like uh, Chelsea, uh, Man City, and they're buying American sort of superstar players, World Cup winners, and bringing them to England to play in our league. So, you know, before all the best British talent had to go abroad to make a career, now they're not only able to stay in England, we're able to bring international talent to England into women's football. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Because, you, you know... What was it? Less than twenty years ago, was it? Nineteen, eighteen years ago, the film came out. Yeah, so, two thousand two. Um, you know, I bet back then you would have thought it would never happen if you yeah. were, a, you know, female footballer. Whereas now, and I bet that inspired a generation of young girls who who like football, who who then were actually, yes, we can do it. Look at this film as a, you know, hold it up as a as a uh, an example of that. You know, you can do it. You can make something. You can. Make oh, something it, it definitely brought it a lot more into the public eye in that respect for a lot of young women who might have wanted to be doing it in the past but were sort of unsure about doing it. Do you want to know my favourite trivia thing about this ever? I don't know exactly, so you'll have to correct me because I bet you've got this written down already. Go on. But it was like the first Western comedy or something to be released in North Korea. Yes, I did read that. Um, I haven't got that written down, but I read it while um uh, while researching about this um film. Yeah, it was... When I saw that, I was like, that's insane. I just like to think that the North Korean sort of leader watched it, like shed a tear. It was like, this is beautiful. My <laughs> people need to see this. <laughs> Here we are, North Korean broadcast. To mark, to mark the 10th anniversary of North Korea's relations with the United Kingdom, an edited version of Bend It Like Beckham was broadcast on North Korean state television on the 26th of December 2010. It was the first ever Western-made film to air on television in North Korea. That's cool. What I seem to remember being a little bit frustrating, I mean, it's not the end of the world at all, but obviously it was called Bennett like Beckham. Everyone's obsessed with Beckham. And then at the end, I'm pretty sure it's not Beckham. <laughs> this annoys me as well, yeah. They're like, oh my God, it's Beckham and um, Posh. But yeah, it's not. They're lookalikes. And it's like, yeah, I don't understand. Because they got, at the beginning, beginning they got um, John Barnes, Alan Hansen, Hansen and Gary Lineker in to do little cameos. Why couldn't they got Beckham? Like, it was the height of Beckham mania. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to... I wonder if there's... Surely, surely you'd think the production company reached out and said, look, make a film about you. We'd love just to have you on in 10 seconds. Yeah, surely. it's literally just the walk in the airport, which I bet he's doing all the time. <laughs> nice, I like that. Okay, so, Bend It Like Beckham is your number four. Good yes. choice. I hate myself a little bit for not picking it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't realise. Like, it was really... So I don't know if you've ever seen the whole... It's a great film, but she's not really. It's not really a big film or anything. Yeah, I have seen it actually. It's quite a good film, but she's. It's not famous, famous or anything. No, and it was like you know a bit of a British indie film, yeah. wasn't it? And obviously, Star Wars. She had quite a big part in it, but 
not a big part because it wasn't really her, if that makes sense. Yeah, not you mean. Her um, character was a big part. Yeah. But she physically wasn't. Yeah. But obviously, Bendit, like Beckham, was the film that got her into the public eye. Nice. Yeah. Right, should we go with your number three choice then? Yes, I don't know if you've seen this one. I remember um, going to cinema to watch this and... I always know I like a film when I come out and I go, I'd actually want to pay for another ticket and go see that again. I want to do a back-to-back repeat showing of it because I enjoyed it so much. That's always a good Um, sign. And this one is a book adaptation um, that changed the title of the book and the title of the film is called Love, Simon. Have you seen this one? I haven't, but I've heard good things about it and I know they're doing a sequel to it on Disney. Yeah, um... I think they might already have in America. Maybe it's already out in America. Yeah, it's a TV show, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway. Um, But yeah, it's um, about a character called Simon that's um, in high school in America. um, And he's gay. He knows he's gay, but he's not told anyone. He's not told his friends or his family. Um, And he's decided he's going to sort of come out when he's at college. That idea of, you know, you go to university or college and you, you can sort of remake yourself can't you yeah um you know to I me mean? if you're quiet in high school or secondary school you can go to university and you can be a bigger character people don't know who you were um so yes yeah, so i love simon uh that was here in this film that's sort of his idea and he starts emailing someone at school who's also gay but they're not using their real names they're using code names so i think the person he fancies calls himself signs off as blue mm-hmm. um and i can't remember what his sign off is um but yeah, so they're talking, then it's quite interesting then because it's sort of like a mystery. Like it's uh, as he goes round and, and talks to people at school, he's trying to figure out who this this person could be that he uh, that he likes. So I think that that element's really interesting. It sounds intriguing, actually. Um, but as well, what's really good is, is his secret comes out. So before we find out who Blue is, that's the sort of mystery right till the end. Uh, people at school find out he's he's gay and you know he he doesn't have control of that someone who's sort of jealous releases that uh, about sort of annoyed with him at one point uh, to sort of punish him and it's as well like quite a big thing isn't it about you know you've taken away what's a, a, a really big moment for him you know to me he's not been able to control the situation and he has to sort of deal with the with the backlash because actually i think what's interesting about this one is i think almost a, a sort of a, a, a a gay trope in in films and TV is the idea that um, they tell their friends and their friends treat them differently and, and almost be, I don't know, that, that sort of homophobia that comes through. Um, whereas this is the opposite. His characters rather than be, or, or sometimes it's over the top, everyone's like, oh my God, I'm so supportive, it's amazing. Whereas in this case, his friends fall out with him, not because he's gay, but because he kept it from them. They're insulted, like he didn't think oh, okay. he'd accept you. And I think that's a really nice twist of like. Yeah, almost, that is. That's very he, different. He built. He's almost being punished for keeping a secret. You know, whereas he thought everyone he might lose his friends and things like that. They're more annoyed that I can't believe he didn't trust me with this. Um, yeah, because at this day and age, it's not a taboo in the slightest, is it? That's well, it. I think that there's still homophobia around, so I think it's, yeah, I can, yeah, I can understand that fear. But yeah, hundred percent, there's not. Um, I only found out that it was still illegal to be gay in Scotland up until the uh, 80s, which is... That's insanely that's, late. That's insanely late, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. It's crazy. No. So, yes, it's, it's not like it's illegal. But, yeah, so I think that's nice because it takes a more modern view of it. Um, and 
it, it does. I don't know. It's not just like here's a feel good story on on it, and or here's an overly dark drama dramatization of it. It sits somewhere in the in the middle and felt like I don't know. I, I'm like that feels like what I'd imagine it, it might feel like in his situation. I could really empathize with his character situation, and um, I, I think what's great about it as well is it's a typical sort of you know. There's a lot of high school rom com beats, mm-hmm. but at no point really was I'm like okay, this is a a um, film about someone who's gay. Like, okay. it just felt like a rom-com, if you know what I mean. The fact that he was gay, although obviously it was part of the storyline, because he wasn't a character a of a... Oh, see the word for me. Caricature. There we go. Of uh, of a gay character. You know, like, it sometimes also can be... Um, he was just, a, you know, just a, 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 a normal high school kid. He didn't... You know, him being gay wasn't his identity. His identity was his personality, which is the way it should be. Um... So it never felt like it was a film about someone who's gay. It just felt like a rom-com. Yeah. And I think that was really powerful in that sense. And I think that's one that I'm like, I think a lot of uh, young people, all young people should should watch this film because I think it's important that we're, we're able to see sort of maybe more minority groups given just a, a realistic portrayal. Yes. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes absolute sense. I feel like I went a bit too deep with it, but yeah, like I say, it was uh, it was it's just a really good film. But I think because it does such a lot for that, you know, for the LGBT community or LGBTQ plus community, I think it's I think it's an important film as well. Um, but it doesn't feel like it's trying to make a statement. It's just well, here's why it's an important film in my eyes. Released on February twenty seventh in two thousand eighteen. Notable as the first film by a major Hollywood studio to focus on a gay teenage romance. Yeah, there you go. Like that's so, shocking in 2018 that that sort of thing hasn't been talked about more. No, and I think it was the perfect film to do that. Like I say, because it was, it felt like a more realistic look at, the, at this sort of story. Yeah, well, you got me intrigued. I want to watch it. Yeah, and, and I just think Nick Robson's fantastic. He's um, he was in Jurassic World, Everything, Everything. A really oh, yeah, he was a little kid film. in Jurassic World. Well, the older little kid, wasn't he? Yeah, the older little kid. And there's a great film thing called The Kings of Summer, which is a coming-of-age film where three teenage boys run away from home and build a uh, uh, a fort, essentially, in uh, in this forest and, and live there for the whole of the summer. It's brilliant. Okay. Um, yeah, that's yes. defi- definitely one that I think I'll watch. Perfect. So, your number three, then. So... There's a theme along my next three picks. And when I say theme, it's not a theme theme like that. Um, it's there's an actor from each of the film that ends up being the main character in the next one, which I thought I quite liked. So you've got to try and guess which one it is before I reveal the next film. It's your challenge. Right. So my number three choice is a film that was written by Jason Segal. And what I loved most about it is... It's based on a genuine, true breakup he had. But instead of sitting there and moping about the situation, he went to his computer and wrote it down because he thought it would make a great story in the future. Can I guess it? Yeah. Is it Forgetting Sarah Marshall? It is. And I the... did not know it was based on a real breakup. That's yeah. so cool. No, you know the scene, well, the scene where he, um, where uh, Kristen Bell's character breaks up with him when he's naked? Yeah. That genuinely happened to him, apparently. <laughs> so... Instead of sitting there and crying about it, it was like, this is actually a great situation, like, funny-wise. I'm going to write about it. And (laughs) the whole movie was based on that. I do love that scene as well. It cracks me up. The whole thing, like, I went back and rewatched it. And this was one that wasn't on my list to begin with. And when I rewatched it, I was like, oh, no, this is really a great scene. A great film, sorry. 
So for those who don't know about it, it's about a composer called Peter who's in a relationship with Sarah Marshall, um, and then she breaks up with him. And he's absolutely devastated about the thing. He's trying to do everything to get over it, and it's just not working. So he goes on holiday to Hawaii. When on holiday in Hawaii, Kristen Bell's character, um, Sarah Marshall, is there uh, with her new boyfriend, played by Russell Brand. And it's about him sort of like meeting all these different characters and then forming a a little relationship with the reception's um, member of staff. And it's just a nice little feel-good comedy. But not a situation I imagine, like, well, situationally, I imagine a lot of people have been in this. But the idea of trying to get over someone, but them being there constantly, I'm sure a lot of people have had, have had experience with that, whether it be through school or other situations. Yeah, I think as well, what I really like about getting Sarah Marshall is, as good as um, Jason Segal is, as good as Mila Kunis is, it's all the side characters. That I was literally the about film. to. Go into so Mila Kunis is the reception member of staff. Jonah Hill as a massive fan of Alder Snow, who's Russell Brand's character. He's got a great line, which when I watched it, I couldn't stop laughing at it for some reason the other day. And it was literally Alder Snow starts to sing one of his songs, and um, Jonah Hill's character just tap like sort of taps um, Peter Jason Segal's on the shoulder, sort of signals down and goes half six to midnight. I just thought it was a great line. <laughs> Why half six to midnight? He gestures down to his crotch. Oh right! <laughs> <laughs> it was just a really. Like, I don't think first time I watched it, I got that. Well, I would would have got it, but I don't think I picked up on the joke. But then this time, I was like, actually, that's a really good line. I love it. Um, yeah. So Jonah Hill, you got Jack McBrayer, who plays a sort of really innocent character who's on his honeymoon with his wife, and he's trying to. She wants to have sex, but he's really unsure about the whole situation. Paul Rudd as Chuck, a um, surfer guy who's just really insane. Yeah, all the it's all the other characters that actually really make up this film, and it's just it's brilliant. Really love it. I just remember absolutely loving. Is it Daryl? Is it Daryl? Daryl. Remind me. He's the reli- the one who's in that religious marriage. He's like, no, it's. Dirty. Oh yeah, da- yeah. Sorry, yeah. Jack McBrayer's character. Yeah, the religious. And he's just, he gets advice, doesn't he, from Russell Brand's character, and they just start having sex with some chess pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's really... Love it. Absolutely love it. It really is a great film. For those who haven't seen it, really recommend it. And it's also got a great a great spin-off called Get Him to the Greek. It, well, it wasn't, it wasn't a spin-off spin-off, was it? Is it because they like their characters' chemistry yeah. or the actors' chemistry? No, it was a spin-off. It's Russell Brand plays Alder Snow. No way! Yeah, he plays Alder Snow, the character he plays in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. I didn't Jonah Hill plays a completely different character, but it is a character that's also still obsessed with Alder Snow. And it's about getting Alder Snow. He's just broken up with Sarah Marshall and they've got to get him to the Greek to perform in this um, on stage there. And unfortunately, he comes off the wagon, which like in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, he's teetotal. But then he's off the wagon in um, Get Him to the Greek. And it's just this ridiculous road trip adventure. But that's a lot of fun. And the music's really great, genuinely. Infant Sorrow are a genuinely good band. I can't believe um, I didn't ever... I've watched, obviously, both those films, and I didn't... I don't think I got at the time that it was a, um, a sequel or a spin-off. <laughs> really? No. Yeah. I just thought he was playing a similar character. No, he's playing exactly it. the same character. And I mean, like, I really want to see a spin-off, which is the Dracula musical from the end of the film. Yeah, I think we've mentioned it before. I think <laughs> I'd like that. We or, mentioned or it seen... in an unaired episode. Oh, that's, that's not it was an unaired. Ep- it was our top five films one that we had to re-record. And 
we also redid our choices because it felt just too flat. Just pretending we didn't know what was <laughs> I think people next. know our little gist now. But originally, in my top five films, the Muppet movie was there, which is written <gasps> by Jason Segal. <gasps> Terrible choice. <laughs> it's a brilliant choice. At some point, it will feature again in one of my choices. We'll do a top film, top five films featuring um, puppets. I feel like we need to introduce a veto. Um, <laughs> <laughs> once every, I don't know, five top fives, we get to veto someone's choices. Like, no, you're not picking. I think we should have a card. Like, if we so strongly disagree, we can argue. Like, why the hell have you done that? Like, what is wrong with you? But only if you got valid, you wouldn't be able to do that with the Muppets because you've not seen it. I'll watch it just so I can say it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that's our top three choices. Should we move on to number two? Correct. <laughs> okay, let's hear your number two then. Um, this film had... I don't know. Let me have a look when it came out. Because it recently had like a I don't know, 20th anniversary thing. So and, like 2000? Well, I can't remember exactly when it was. Yeah, it must have been 20. Yeah, it was 1999. And it must have had a 20th anniversary in 2000. 19 and they did like interviews with the director the writer the cast and things like that and it's interesting because when i watched this film i was like these feel like real friends like there's just a real chemistry between them they seem to get on a bit like i said that with firefly i could sort of pick up on it and then i found out they did and i was like you could really feel that sort of spirit it was the same here um and in that 20th anniversary they all said it was amazing like most of them lived together in this like sort of hotel complex uh, the the director or the writer used to pick up uh, who's now the biggest actor I guess in terms of what they've achieved used to pick them up every day and they'd gone like a four hour drive so like there was just a real there was loads and loads of bonds and connections and I think it it comes across in the film really and, trying to work out what it is well the film is I think the first big film that Heath Ledger was in or at least the first big American film okay. It had is it based styles. on a sh- is it based on a Shakespeare play? It is Tame of the Shrew, mm-hmm. and it's ten things I hate about you. Now, what's annoying is I've only watched the first like half an hour of this, and I really what enjoyed is it. Wrong with you? Well, what is wrong is with you? What is wrong? Wouldn't let you watch. <laughs> no, what is it with you, school teachers, putting on a film that people are interested in and never showing the end of it? Yeah, it, was, know, in, I, it I, was in school that I watched the first half an hour of this. I'm not allowed to do that, but yeah, I remember being at school on like the last lesson for Christmas. Yeah. They'd stick a random film on, but then because it was the last lesson, we'd come back and they'd be like, "No, we're yeah, back this, to French." We, now. we watched this. Well, yeah, we watched this in fr- um, French. Like, what's the relevance the French got to do with this? Doesn't one of them try to speak French? I don't. <laughs> well, like I said, it was in. Fr- oh, you know, if you'd watched it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I really can't tell you. I've only watched half an hour of the film. Um, yeah, it's great. It's based on Taylor Swift, and, and I think. I think what's good is it lend, it it leans on rom-com tropes and then completely sort of shits on them at the same time. Um, so, like, for instance, it's sort of a, a classic conundrum of there's, um, there's two girls in school, one that's very popular, one that's uh, a lot more... I won't say introverted, but she's, she's a... She doesn't follow the crowd and uh, she doesn't get on with people because she's not afraid to speak her mind. And uh, the... The dad won't let the, her, the youngest daughter, the popular one, date. So he comes up with a plan, thinking it'll never happen. And he says, if the oldest daughter dates, she can date. So um, a boy she who fancies her, who she doesn't fancy, she fancies someone else, but she knows he likes her. So she sort of says, right, if you can get someone to date my sister, I'll be able to date you. Oh, okay. So then they hire, uh, they pay Heath Ledger's character, who's a bit of a sort of uh, bad boy character, uh, a little bit strange himself. They pay him to try and date her and 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 woo her, 
and and that's what happens. And it's uh, about their relationships. Heath Ledger's and Julie Stiles, and then Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and oh, I can't remember the actress's name. She's called Bianca. Um, but yeah, so they uh, they start um, dating, and like I say, it's it's that it feels like a very classic cliche rom-com but there's some like really weird and dark stuff that happens uh like the 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 head teacher or the guidance counselor is writing an erotic novel (laughs) at the time so these kids come in and torture and she's always typing like and then she asks for like different words she can use to go in her uh, erotic novel it's really (laughs) like i say it's all a bit weird and a bit quirky it's really good and it's got a lot of heart as well yeah, that's what you want. I'd say, again, this is another one that I'd consider to be a classic um, rom-com. So classic, one... never watched it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, but it's one that always, it gets mentioned in a lot of top lists for rom-coms out there. Yeah, I think it's the one. <laughs> I don't think this is going to be a choice, or any of them apart from number one will be a choice anyone's watched, but I'm hoping it's one of those where people go, shit, yeah, it's great, so I need to watch that again. <laughs> um... no, good choice, and I'm annoyed that I haven't watched it. Maybe I will again, like um, About Time and love simon go and fish this one out about to say that's what's great about this though isn't it Cause it makes you want to like i'm desperate to watch forgetting sarah marshall now that's gonna be yeah. one of my weekend films I think. oh i think the next two films you'll be desperate to watch as well again that i've got here but anyway yeah great choice really wish i could say more about it because i don't know that much about it other than what you've literally just told me now uh, well in fact this will be interesting to go through maybe we could do like an extra bonus episode so have you watched notting hill yeah have you and but you've not watched Love Simon about time or ten things? No. What were your first three again? Oh, uh, you've watched. Oh no, you haven't watched Chasing Amy, have you? No. So we could do one. Hopefully, if I've not watched your next two, we could do like a a swap episode where we have to watch each other's um, films we haven't seen and talk about them. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea for a future podcast episode. There we go. Yeah, we right. On to your number two. Then let's see if I've seen this one. Um. So right. So you've heard you heard all the characters that are in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah. Which one do you think will be the actor who stars in I Love You Man? I've already just told you, haven't I? What the hell did I just do? <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely useless of me. Could there there it goes be a little Paul Rudd. It would be Paul Rudd. Oh, that just ruined all that. Um, yeah, we've got a Paul Rudd film in there. I love Paul Rudd. Favorite actor of all time. Spoilers for top five actors. Um, yeah, I love you, man. I mean. I think <laughs> I think some people will argue that. Sorry, I just kicked the table. I apologise for that. I can't edit that out. Um, <laughs> I think some people argue that this isn't a rom com, and I would argue one hundred percent back. It is a rom com. It is a brilliant film. It stars two people who start who basically end up forming a little bromance. And what's not to love about that? I would say as well, to your point of how some people might argue it's technically not a rom-com, I'd agree with certain bromance films, um, like you know, like a lot of Seth Rogen ones are on, but this purposely takes all the sort of tropes of a rom-com oh, absolutely. a boy and a girl and put it into their friendship. Um, and like, like, Even at the end, like spoilers alert for anyone who's not watched it, but like at the end they sort of stop seeing each other and everything, but he's, like, Paul Rudd's character still pining for Jason Segal's character. And at the end, like, Jason Segal's character does a mad rush to the wedding to be the best man at the wedding. Like, that's just a classic trope. Just... Yeah, it's that classic sort of airport scene, exactly. isn't it? <laughs> like, it's just, it really does throw so many, like you say, romance classic tropes out there to be in there. 
And again, this is another film in which the supporting cast is absolutely fantastic as well. Do you know what? I was just going to make a point on that as well. Uh, I can't, maybe I was talking... I can't remember if I was speaking to you about this or I was listening to another podcast or something like that, but I was hearing about, you know, like comedies? Yeah. Like Friends. And like the way that every episode of Friends works is one of the six has to be normal for that episode. Okay. And then the craziness around them and the over-top, you know, the over-the-top sort of nature of the characters works because there's one character who's basically the audience who's like... They're like, what the fuck? They're like reacting how you would react if you were in that situation. And it, it you know, it, it it brings that sort of sense of humor, makes it feel a bit more, I don't know, relatable. Because you're like, okay, it's not too crazy. That's how I would feel as well. Yeah. And Rashida Jones does this in so many comedies where she's the sort of the more rational, normal character. Well, we talked about it in Parks and Rex, didn't we? Yeah. And I think she she plays that role so well. She does it again here. Yeah. No, absolutely. So for those who don't know the film... It's about Paul Rudd, who proposes to his girlfriend, Radisha Jones, and he realises when she's sharing the news to all of her friends and family that he's not actually got any close male friends to have as a best man. So it's about his sort of journey to try and find the best man. So first of all, he sort of starts meeting up with random guys. Some of it goes well. In fact, all of it goes wrong um, completely. Like, they're not... They're very awkward situations. But then he eventually um, meets uh, Jason Segal's character, Sidney Fife, at a uh, what's the word for it? Open an estate house. agent, open house. That's the word. Um, and they form this little bromance, and it really is quite nice. Like at one point, Radisha Jones's character really starts to feel like the third will, and that's why it really works as the romance side of it. They really do form that bromance here. Yeah, it's, it's just it's another feel good film as well, isn't it? I think. Oh, absolutely. Because you do you feel sorry for Paul Rudd. He's like, I've never had a male friend before. My friends have always been women. So he's like, he's so excited to have a male friend. He's trying to impress him, and like Rashida Jones, like is really encouraging their relationship. It's like really sweet, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of it. <laughs> my one of my favorite bits though is um, when they're talking about friends and everything, and um, Paul Rudd asks his dad, played by J.K. Simmons. Um, if he's got any friends, like, well, your brother Robbie's my best friend. Him and <laughs> him and Hank Maldoom. <laughs> Just content. Him and Hank Maldoom. Just really love it. <laughs> I didn't know. I can't remember J.K. Simmons. Do you? Yeah, J.K. Simmons plays um, the dad. Uh, Andy Samberg plays um, Peter's brother. It's got Jamie Presley in it. It's got John Favreau, Lou Fringo, Aziz Azari. Like I said, the supporting cast is actually insane. This is something that I could have watched two, three, four, five different spin-offs of it. You know what I mean? Just keep putting them in different situations. Oh, yeah. And it would have worked every time because the chemistry between the two actors is just so good in this. I don't... Is there any other films that you can think of where Jason Segal and Paul Rudd are in it? I think there's both in... Forget Sarah Marshall. (laughs) Yeah, Forget Sarah Marshall. I think there's both in Knocked Up, weren't they? Maybe, probably. But there's not been many films, but they have got great chemistry. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so that's my number two choice. That's some may argue, and I'll come at you if you disagree. Do you know what? You can fuck off if you say it's not a rom com because I think the whole point is it's meant to be a rom com, but oh, from these yeah. two, but from a friendship point of view, I love that. And exactly. That's clever. Right, we've got to bear with me a second because I don't know where to put my charger cable, but I haven't plugged it in, and my laptop's slowly dying. <laughs> Oh, it's right here in front of me. <laughs> What's creepy then, when you play that back, is you got quieter as you said it, like it was also... <laughs> I was looking around for the cable, slowly. that's why. <laughs> slowly fading right. All right, we're all good. I plugged it in. That really wasn't that much panic there. Um. So now we are on to the honourable mentions. Hold on, I feel like we need a sound effect for honourable mentions from now on. 
Do you? We've always yeah, got like, that. I'll say it like deep, and then I want you to have like a sort of a sound effect alongside it. Okay. Like, like honourable mentions. And then I want some sort of gladiator-like music. Just so you're not going to play clown music. <laughs> Oh, you need like put like a helium effect <laughs> on my voice. <laughs> I try to perps go really deep and uh, game showy. Right, should we go for it? Yeah, I've got two. Um, so I'm gonna, but I'm still gonna keep the tradition of, of just talk about one in you know in any detail. Um, so one that I, I wanted to pick, but I didn't because I didn't think it was rom com enough, mm-hmm. and that's Shaun of the Dead. Even though it's a rom coms on. As they call it, but I didn't think it was rom com enough. No, um, I I would agree. It's, it's got rom com, yeah. but I would agree that really the relationship between Sean and Liz isn't massively the whole point of it. No, but great film, and technically they do. You know, mar- they marketed themselves very famously as the rom com zom film. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but because I don't think it is enough rom com, I don't pick it. So the one that I picked. Um, and this is one of the, the rest of the films I think objectively are good films. Maybe not amazing, but I think I've picked so far are objectively. I think you know you could say that's a good film, decent writing, decent acting, all the rest. This I know isn't a great film, but I fucking love it. Okay. Failure to launch. <laughs> Have you ever seen it? I haven't, but I know it's an absolutely awful. Is it Sarah Jessica Parker? Yeah, and Matthew Mahonahay before his Mahonnaissance. Yeah. <laughs> was uh, it absolutely like it's so it's so bad. Like even even the plot line, like he's a like thirty year old who still lives at home, quite successful, um, but lives with his parents. And Sarah Jessica Parker's character uh, has set up as someone who makes these men who who are older men who live at home with their parents still, and she makes them fall in love with her and basically grow up so that they move out and then she breaks up with them. But the idea is the parents pay them because they want them to move out and they want them to grow up. Um, so that's what um, Matthew Mahoney's parents do. But uh, as you'd imagine, she starts to fall for him and he really starts to fall for her. She sort of breaks some of the codes because she's like, you know, I, I never kiss my clients, I never sleep with them. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, but she she breaks her rules with that and then you know as all classic rom coms do, they um they he finds out and they have their breakup and then it's about will they get back together towards the end. Um, so yeah, it's it's cliche as fuck. The writing's cheesy, the acting's not great, but I absolutely love it. <laughs> I think that's fair. Like sometimes with rom coms, as we said, it's just a great Sunday night. Stick it on, relax. Mm enjoyable moment but it does go to show there really are some insane ridiculous like a lot of rom-com plots they just have this ridiculous situation that you have to overcome isn't it yeah and i think that's one of them have you heard of a you probably haven't heard watched it i've not watched it but i've heard of it um a film called a recipe for seduction no it's so this is the plot synopsis as the holidays draw near a young heiress contends with the affections of a suitor who has been handpicked by her mother when a handsome chef arrives with a secret recipe and a dream, he sets in motion a series of events to unravel her plans. Do you know who the handsome chef is? No. The handsome chef is Colonel Sanders. Oh my god! Mari- Mario Lopez <laughs> is playing Colonel Sanders in this film. Love it. And that actually leads me on. Love I wasn't going to. <laughs> yeah, it's great, great show. Um, it does lead me on nicely because this wasn't set up, and you wasn't aware this was going to happen again. Is I've got another quiz round for you, Mike. Love it. I also hate it because I'm disgustingly competitive. And although there's no winner to this, I need to win. So what I've done is I've found some movie plots 
Hello. online. And I, with the help of Reddit, made up some fake movie plots. Mm-hmm. And you're to tell me which ones are real and which ones are fake. Okay. okay. So how many am I being given? There's five in total. Okay, let's do it. Okay, number one. Lucy is practically obsessed with a man named Peter, to whom she's never spoken. After he slips into a coma, Lucy tells Peter's loved ones she is his fiance, and she's welcomed into the family. Then she falls in love with his brother Jack, and things get even messier from there. Real or fake? I mean, I'm thinking of, like, is it The Big Sick? And I'm thinking of that, is it Gardens of oh, Heaven? Oh, big, big Sick, great film, and nothing But I'm just like thinking there's quite a few sort of coma romance stories. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say real because that's a... Yeah, I'm going to say real. It is real. It's yes. While you were sleeping with Sandra Bullock and Bill Pullman. You can see the competitiveness there. <laughs> you were genuinely so pleased to get that right. I'm buzzing. <laughs> okay. Number two. Nancy becomes a nanny for the children of Darren Philstein, a standoffish Sherlock Holmes-style investigator. While he initially seems to have a heart of stone, they grow closer as she solves the mystery of his heart. Fucking that's so cheesy. I- I'm gonna say fake based on the fact Nancy the nanny. If someone genuinely wrote that, that pisses me off. <laughs> that was me who wrote that, and I hadn't even thought of that for some reason. Oh, thank God. <laughs> I, well, I I added the Nancy bit <laughs> because I felt like I had to include a name. This um, synopsis didn't have a name, but that was very nicely given to us by Mister Dragon on Rad on Reddit. Hey, good guy, good guy he is. Mister yeah. spelt with a three instead of an e. Didn't he? Did he like lose his house to like a fire or something? <laughs> Is that that? Did he then marry the dragon that caused the fire, <laughs> or was it just a breakup? He was originally Mister Dragon, but now he's looking for a divorce. Yeah, I think it's like really messy. I think like people died and stuff. Right? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, big thanks to you. Um, number three, neurotic Wally Mars has a bright spot in his life. His friendship with Cassie. When Cassie announces her intention to become pregnant using a sperm donor. Wally thinks he will be the lucky guy, but Cassie has someone else in mind. While drunk at Cassie's insemination party, Wally real. substitutes his spur. Gonna just stick with real then? Do you want me to finish I'm, it off? I feel like I've watched it. Has it got uh, Rachel from Friends in? I don't know why it I does. said that rather than Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> uh, I'll continue it. So while drunk at Cassie's insemination party, Wally substitutes his sperm for the donors, then passes out remembering nothing. Seven years later, Wally meets Cassie's son, who seems oddly familiar to him. And yes, it's Jason Bateman and Jennifer Aniston in The Switch. I mean, that is like, that is so, like so bad what he does. Like, so, yeah. I mean, I know, it's, I know it's fictional, but I still can't get over that invasion of, I don't know, like, like he's literally <laughs> like giving her his seed without her knowing. Like, it's so gross. It's insane, weird. isn't it, this one? I can't believe that got... I think if you tried to make that movie today, you wouldn't get it made. Yeah. Although it was only made in 2010. It's not that old. Yeah, but I do think since 2015, things have changed a lot. Like, cancel yeah. culture has become so much, such a bigger thing. But yeah, that was made, though. <laughs> that, does, that, that, does, that does exist in our history. Do you know what? Not only a weird idea, genuinely not great film. Like, not poor. It's not the worst thing I've seen, but it's not great. Really? No. Right, next one. Josie Geller, a baby-faced junior copywriter at the Chicago Sun-Times, must pose as a student at her former high school to research contemporary student culture. With the help of her brother, brother, Josie infiltrates the inner circle of the most popular clique clique on campus. But she has a major snag in her investigation, not to mention her own failed love life when she falls for a dreamy English teacher. 
Is this a real film with Drew Barrymore? It is, yes. Never been kissed. <laughs> Never watched it, but I've, I've heard of the plot before. Yeah. Nice. Again. Also, so I mean, it's a rom-com, so I'm assuming that the English teacher gets with her. I'd Does he so. get with her thinking it's a student? See, that's that's my biggest question, and that's why I included it here, because that's, it's so wrong. That's a bit noncy, isn't it? Though? Yeah. Right, final one. You're doing very well. See if you can go five five. If not, our podcast ends here. I'm quitting. No, <laughs> no pressure. After a drunken night of exploration, a man accidentally agrees to marry the devil. He must try and f- he must find true love with a living soul before their wedding day to avoid an eternity in hell. Oh, I've not watched Bedazzled in years, but it reminds me of that. I'm going to say true. It's false. Damn it! <laughs> Although it makes me wonder, is it Bedazzled? Because you're right. Has someone just given me a plot for Bedazzled? Because again, well, I don't think he. Uh, I mean, I should have said fake. Cause I don't think he's agreed to marry her. He sold his soul, and the only way. <sighs> oh yes, yeah, yes, yeah, not quite that. Elliot, Elliot Richardson is a shy man who reluctant to convey his feelings to the girl he loves. Observing his sad state, the devil grants him seven wishes in exchange for his soul. So yeah, yeah. different plots. So you didn't get it. That was um, a synopsis for a fake film called The Devil's Threesome by Forty Forgot Pass. Nice. So did you put it on Reddit saying, can someone help me come up with some fake? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So I'm going to say a big thanks out to 4D Forgot Past and Mr. Dragon, whose ideas we had here. We've also got Kossola Dodd, Rebecca Caitlin, JCC Wright, J... No, RG Author, The Last Ronin. I you put our podcast on this, by the way, when you did it. <laughs> no, I haven't done. Damn it, Michael Ellington. And <laughs> underscore the van underscore... Well, so go thank back you for on those guys. To it on, on the thread and, and link us and say you've been <laughs> you've been you've been featured on here. <laughs> you've been featured. Right, so you got four out of five. That means the podcast ends now. You've yeah, been listening to Michael, Michael, Mike. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> no, right. Honorable uh, mentions. Yeah, I've got my honorable mention. How which many have you got? I've got one. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I could say two because there is another one on my list. I'm going to just say it: The Wedding Singer, great film. Yeah. Um, but that's not my honorable mention. Uh, my one is, like I said earlier, at the height of the, sh- the episode, on Reddit, the um, genres are comedy, horror, musical, romance, sci-fi. Therefore, I feel it's a rom-com. And it's Little Shop of Horrors. Never seen it. Have you heard of it? Yes. It's a great... Um, it's almost like a parody of the B-era mus- um, horror films. Sort of like Day of the Triffid. And it's about... Um, a geeky florist shop worker, um, played by Rick Moranis, who, who at a little Chinese um, shop comes across a um, plant there that he'd never seen before and he'd not been able to identify. And he calls it um, Audrey 2 after this girl that he pines over called Audrey. And eventually, like, sort of, it starts dying. But it's bringing in customers, so he's trying to keep it alive and everything because people are really interested in this plant and they're coming from far and wide to see it. And he realises that it likes blood after he cuts himself and it's like really invested in eating his blood and then slowly the plot expands and it wants just human flesh all the time so he has to start killing to feed the plant constantly and eventually Audrey too gets big and giant and so forth and the plot continues without trying to spoil anything but it's a great film it's um a remake of a old film back in the 60s that got turned into a musical and this is the remake of the musical version of it I've just it's just it, got... by the way, I've, I've never seen it before. I was thinking of, I think, Rocky Horror Show. Oh, you... <laughs> I don't know why, but yeah, maybe. But it's a, it's a great film, great cast as well. 
Um, it's got Bill Murray who plays a. I'm going to apologize if I say this wrong because it's a word that I realized the other day that I've never actually said and just read. Is it um, a masochist? Someone who enjoys pain. Masochist. Masochist, there we go. Um, He plays a masochist at a dentist (laughs) surgery because Steve Martin plays this evil dentist. Um, But Bill Murray's character originally in the original version was played by Jack Nicholson. So it's had big, big names in it along the way. But yeah, really recommend it. It's a great film. Honourable mention, just because I felt a lot of people would argue that it's not a rom-com. I like it as well, because it's a bit weird. It's a bit of an out-there choice. Yeah, and the songs are genuinely really good. I know you yourself aren't into um, musicals, but genuinely really good musicals. Okay. And that leads us nicely on to number one. Number one, indeed. What have you chosen? Um, This is... This was like one of my favourite films ever when I first watched it. Like, I was so in love with it. And then I, I had a bit more distance. Of, I still love it. And it's still, you know, it's still very close to a top five. Just general film, actually. Um, and that is Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Okay. I've not seen it, but I know it came out at a similar time as that other film that's quite similar. I'll let you continue before. You find out what the other film is. Yeah. It's really so, funny. me. Yeah, it's about um, it's about this high schooler who, along with his friend Earl, um, they like to make um, parodies of, of sort of classic movies, and they do like stop animation and and film themselves in it, and they're, they're like, dreadful, but that's their sort of hobby. Uh, I, I say dreadful; they're sort of, I guess, um, I don't know, abstract maybe. Um, but yeah, he he meets this. Um, dying girl who's a classmate who he's not really friends with but his mum is uh her name's Rach played by Olivia Cook and uh she's been diagnosed with cancer and he, he basically feels like he's been forced to sort of hang out with her at first um but then they develop this like really beautiful friendship um and it has like almost none of the rom-com tropes which I think is great in while still being a romantic film with comedy features in um, so is it a film that's sort of, it's like subtle comedy is it yeah, I would say so. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. It's I think it's subtle everything. The the comedy subtle, the um, the drama subtle, the the romance is subtle. It's it's really good. It's 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 just it's see the, for me this is about the writing. The the I'm not even sure who wrote it. Oh, it's based on a novel. No, there you go. It's based on a novel by Jesse Andrews. I'm assuming by the same name, but it's written by the the screenplay was by uh, Jesse Andrews. But I think the the writing is so kind of short and snappy and humorous and um, really dark at times, really beautiful at times. Um, and, and yeah, I'm seeing, I think what's great is, I think oftentimes in romantic comedies, like the protagonist doesn't really grow and doesn't really change. Or if they do, it's like really dramatic or stupid. You know, that classic, I can't remember that classic one was called, where is it called She's All That or something, where it's like, she's clearly attractive, she just wears glasses. Yes. And then she takes off her glasses and everyone's like, oh my God. Is it Jennifer Lee someone? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, and then also the popular girls all love her. Literally just because she's taking her glasses off, it's ridiculous. But yeah. anyway. Which, which they, they mock great in, um, what's that film? Um, not another hu- uh, team movie. Yeah. Brilliant. With, uh, Brilliant Captain America, which is really weird. Yeah. Looking back. Yeah, Chris but, Evans. But yeah, uh, Tom Mann, who plays Greg in it, his he's the, the main character, and his sort of growth in it is so good and so real and, and sort of so deserved. 
Um, and it's it's funny, it's heartbreaking, it's it's just like I say, it's one of the, it is one of the best films I've ever seen. And if you're someone who's sick of typical rom coms, um, this is definitely a film for you because it is it's just so so good. Um, and I, and you know what? Looking back at all these, because what I didn't mention as well about uh, failure to launch is it has like um, Bradley Cooper's like the best friend, not the leading man. It's got all the it's got. Uh, uh, is it Glagatha from Vikings and uh, Zoe Deschanel? So it's got all these great sidecats. And similar here, this has got loads of good actors. It's got Nick Hoffman, Connie Britton, uh, John uh, Berthnell. I can't remember how to say his name. The guy who played the Punisher. Oh um, yeah. So again, it's got some really, really good side characters and, and actors who play them to bring them to life, so they don't feel like sort of just background characters, background noise. They they feel like they add to the the, the film and, and the characters' progression. Um, yeah, it's it's so good. It's it's one of the most sort of beautiful films I've ever seen and and heartbreaking and everything. And I really couldn't recommend it enough. Like I say, if you if you've already decided from watching this that you think you've got a similar taste to me, then then go out and watch this film. You won't regret it. Well, I feel like I haven't watched four of your films now, so I'm definitely going to have to go out and watch this one if this is so yeah. high up. Oh, I think I have to watch your weird honourable mention, aren't I? Because I've not seen the uh, <laughs> <laughs> many of the others. So yeah, Wait. there you go. That's my number one film, and that was a last minute change up. I think because in my head I didn't think of it traditionally, but unlike Shaun of the Dead, this is a rom com. Yeah, two main genres is romance and comedy, hundred percent. Yeah, um, it, it just it doesn't feel like a rom com at all, which I think's well, that's what makes it so great and refreshing. Well, yeah, Wikipedia describes it as an American comedy drama romance film. Oh, nice! There so, you go. There you go. Um, by the way, the film I was thinking of was The Fault in Our Stars, which came out a year before. Yeah, another great film. Yeah, it is. First film I went to see with um, my wife. Oh, nice. She didn't cry. Oh, God. Heartless. <laughs> Absolutely heartless. Were you, like, blubbering? Oh, yeah. We know I'm a blubbering mess when it Was comes it the to first time she'd seen me cry as well, then? Quite possibly. I might have <laughs> hit it. I might have hit it back then. But, yeah. I, I get really invested in films and TV shows. <laughs> All right. Good choice. Yeah. I'll definitely have to watch it. It sounds interesting. But I think I ignored it because I did see a similar film about someone dying with leukemia um, not that long prior. So... Sort of just so, dismissed need it. Little, need little yeah, break it's like I, I don't need another leukemia story in my life, unfortunately. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right, you're number one. I'm excited. Number one might be a film you've heard of, probably not a film you've seen. Nice. And what I love about it is this sums this um quote sums it up perfectly. Okay, so the film is about one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about, and that's a quote by the main character Andy Samberg, and it's a film called Palm Springs. I've been desperate to watch this for so long. It's genuinely, insanely good. I didn't fit... Like, when I watched it, wasn't expecting to put it on my list. And then I watched it and I was like, well, this is number one. This is easily the best rom-com I've seen. So for those who don't know... If there's Groundhog Day type films are another one of my obsession genres, along with sort of fugitive films. Yeah, see, this uh, does a really good job. I wouldn't say of flipping it on the lid, because it really does take that, but it does a really good job of... Giving it a new life, if you will. Because, yeah, there's a lot of those type of genres out there, especially now. There seems to be a revitalization of them, like with Happy Death Day to You and stuff like that. Um, Which are great films, by the way. Yeah, I've never actually watched them. They're, I've recorded them the other day because it's on Sky. So I'm going to record, I'm going to watch them. But yeah, so this is, for those who don't know, it's a film um, starring Andy Samberg and Kristen Milotti and also J.K. Simmons, who also featured in I Love You Man. 
Um, and they go to a wedding, and Andy Samberg's character um, sort of uh, helps stop um, a cringe fest of um, Chris, Kristen Meloti's uh, wedding speech. So they sort of form a little sort of friendship, and they go off to sort of have sex. Um, but then an event, an absolutely surreal event happens, and they both then wake up in the morning, and it's the same day again. Like, literally restarted. Is he already in the time loop before? I was about to say, so Andy Samberg's character's already in the time loop. Kristen Maloti's character's not experienced this, and has no idea what's going on. Hence the quote, oh, it's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. <laughs> Which I think, genuinely, that's all they really say about it. <laughs> they, don't, they know that they don't need to spend much time explaining why it happens or anything like that. And it's just about how these two characters slowly fall for each other. And you said about how um, in Mia and the Dying Girl, how the character sort of, it has a nice little character arc and it doesn't seem forced. I'd say this happens with Andy Sambo's character because he definitely changes the way he is. However, you also know that this could be, it could have been in this situation for years upon years and years. So there's a reason why his character's evolving and changing. And he sort of realises that because his life isn't great, like so it's very very early on you sort of realise this. Um his girlfriend is actually cheating on him at the wedding and he knows this. So he sort of he's got no interest in being with her, so he sleeps with other people during his time on the island and stuff like that. Not on the island on in um Palmer Springs. But he slowly realises actually this is just this one girl that he wants to be with now. And it's just a really nice rom com. Do you know what? Although it'd be a bit of a dark ending because it'd mean like they couldn't have kids and stuff. All these, you know, Groundhog Day films get resolved with when the, you know, the the central character learns their lesson and become a better person. Mm-hmm. I would love one of them to be brave and go. No, that's it. They're just stuck forever, but they're sort of okay with it. The other, it, more, rather than like, oh, I've become a better person and now it stops. It's yeah, I've become a better person, and as a result, I don't mind staying here because I'm happy with my sort of lot. I think I would uh, like almost okay. like a dark twist to it. So this one semi goes along that route. Oh, nice. Semi. I will say now they do get out of the time loop, but... Well, I know they would. Like I say, it'd be, yeah. it'd be quite a dark end, really. You have to mean, like I say, you, you'd never grow old. You'd, you'd um, you know, you, you could never die. Because often that's one of the things they try in these sort of groundhog things, isn't it? They, they oh, yeah, they, they and... die numerous times. And yeah. um, one of the characters um, is actually... So J.K. Simmons' character is a character who Andy Samberg accidentally sort of gets involved in this time loop situation as well. But he lives miles upon miles and miles away. So he only appears every now and again and kills um, Andy Samberg's character in the worst possible way. But what Andy Samberg's character says is, all of that pain you feel. So he, whenever he dies, he tries to get it done as quickly as possible. Because otherwise he is feeling that pain and it's very much real. Which I quite like, they sort of really go aggressive with that sort of side of it but yeah i genuinely it's a film that not many people would have heard of like i said it was only released last year but it's insanely good jails i'd like them to do with a uh, groundhog day john they're always fit and in perfect health like would it be interesting and shit at the same time to see someone on a groundhog day loop who's just had like a vasectomy so it's not like they can like run about and do loads of shit oh just <laughs> confined to their bed just trying to <laughs> yeah, like, like just in so much pain <laughs> yeah so do you know what I mean? They're always like they're always fine, aren't they? You know yeah. what I mean? They're on a good day. 
Yeah, that would be a quite a bold stance, but also very boring for a film. <laughs> yeah, but this is why I don't make films. Clearly, <laughs> yeah, I want a film where it's not interesting in the slightest. <laughs> I want to see a man trying to get out of bed and just realising his testicles are still aching <laughs> and get back into that bed. <laughs> I had an idea for a film at uni, which was such a good idea. I even started writing the script for it, and someone had fucking made it. It came out like a year later. Have you ever heard of the film? I think it's called Boyhood or just Boy? Yeah. Where it was filmed over, over this yeah. real boy's life. And I was like, someone fucking already done it. And I was like, damn it, that's such a good idea I had. I've done it. It's also a BBC documentary. What do you mean? They About follow- how they made it, you mean? No, no, no. They, there's um, a BBC documentary in which they've followed these like 10 people since the age of like one years old. And they're like 70 now. But every what? couple of years, they go back to their life. Did you not know this exists? No. I don't see if I can find it. Well, yeah, I meant a fictional thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know you did. Well, to be fair, mine was more like a series of films. Because I thought you could grow up with the characters. You had to be like, do like a sort of typical high school, you know, rom-com film when the, the kid, the actors are like 15, 16, whatever. And then come meet them in like their early 20s again when they've just, you know, in college, just finished college, whatever. Then in their 30s and... You know, so the actors have all grown and, and changed and stuff. Yeah. I thought that'd be such a cool idea. Unfortunately. Someone make that. Yeah. Right, so those are our top five and honourable mention rom-coms. No, no, no. We're not leaving until you tell me the name of this BBC thing, even if it takes us all night, Michael. <laughs> I'll just stop Googling it. Um, <laughs> BBC documentaries. Wait, we'll stop talking now. And I'll try and find it. No, no, I want this awkward filler where you're like, <laughs> no, not this one. Oh, I think I found it. It's called Up. You mean, you know, that's, a, that's an animated film. <laughs> Up. Up series of documentary films follows the lives of 14 British individuals since 1964 when they were seven years old. The first was titled... to be criminals? The, the, I don't know. I've never watched it myself. But the first was titled Seven Up. Um, and they've gone through each and... Time, which are they on now? They're on sixty three up, and that was that was on um in two thousand nineteen. Mm. That's a cool idea. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'll ever watch it, but it's no, a cool it's idea. a lot of. If you invested from the beginning, you may as well continue. But yeah, yeah. All right, nice one. Anything to plug? Do we want to do a competition for this? We one? can do a competition. We've designed something recently, so why don't we offer them as a competition? Let's do it. So. Would you like to win, not you, Mike, the listeners out there, like to win a Mammon pen and notebook? A personalised notebook at that. It looks sick. I think you would. So on um, Facebook and Twitter, we'll um, show you the prizes when this episode gets released. So have a look at there. And what we'd like you to do is like our page, share the um, Facebook post and comment on it with your top rom-com of all time. And you could be in with a chance of winning these pen and notebook. If you tell me that you watched Me, Earl, and Dying Girl based on my creation and enjoyed it, I may put your name in twice into our draw. <laughs> I may take it out again until I watch it <laughs> and agree with him. But for the time being, I might take it out again. <laughs> I need more people to have seen it. <laughs> but if you've watched the Muppet movie, then I will put your name in three The times. Muppet movie will never be considered a good film. <laughs> I will die on this hill and I've never seen it. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, so give us a like, um, share our status and comment on it and you could be in with a chance of winning these exciting prizes. Also, I feel like we should do some sort of bet where if you lose, you've got to get a Muppet tattoo. <laughs> 
So we'll, we'll, we'll pull, pull someone else out of the hat and they're the loser and they get a Muppet tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I look forward to that. I love that the fact that the loser is actually the second winner. It's the runner-up. <laughs> <laughs> what about... Uh, no, here we go. I'm going to think of a number between one and a million. I'm going to say it on here, but you're not going to put the number in, obviously. Um, and if someone guesses it alongside, you've got to get the Muppet tattoo. But no one's going to guess unless they it's, really... Only but, those who really, really want to get a Muppet tattoo will be the ones who guess. No, no. You have to, Michael Ellingham, get the tattoo. Oh, I have to. Come on, commit to this. They're never going to get it, surely. And I'll, I'll, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go for like a, sh- a small number. So it's going to be, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, it scares me. Okay, I so really hope we don't for... have a hundred followers now. You suddenly comment one to a hundred. <laughs> right? Can I? Can we put a thing on on this? What? You're only allowed to guess on Facebook between the 14th and the 20th. And you can only have one guess of February 2021. <laughs> and only one guess, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to go with... Okay, okay. I think... Is that even a real number? I kind of got lost in <laughs> stuff. Hold on. Is it between one and a million you went with? Yeah. Then yes, it's, it is a number. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still a bit nervous, even though you know it's not I am still, happen? yeah. I've got a one in a million chance of having a Muppet tattoo right I now. hope you're really committed to this, by the way. you genuinely got to get one. If I, it, if I will like... do it if it... If someone guesses that number. Oh, man, please. <laughs> I really it is hope. here on the podcast. I will do it. Uh, do you know what? We should do something like this each week where we take it in turns, where we come up with, like, you know, where they've got to guess and interact with our uh, social feed. But if, if someone ever does get it, we've got to do whatever we've said we'll... <laughs> should we do that? So you get to pick okay. my sort of punishment and your and the guest thing next week. I feel like the punishment more should have been for you to get the Muppet tattoo, to be fair. Well, maybe you just I'm, I'm a fan of the Muppets <laughs> movies. Yeah, it, so. it won't hurt you as much. No. Um, if there's any tattooists out there, I apologise for saying this, but I really, really hope that tattoo parlours stay closed. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they never ne- never succeed after COVID. Oh, mate, I'll find someone who comes to your house and do it, I promise. <laughs> okay, right. I will, we will see you all, hopefully, next week. I've realised <laughs> what we haven't done. What? We said like us on Facebook and Whatnot, but we haven't actually said where to find us. So you can find us um, on Facebook, the Mammon Podcast. Just give it a search on Twitter at Mammon Podcast, and or you can email us at what's our email address? Mammon Podcast at hotmail dot com. Give us an email if you've got any ideas for any other shows that you'd like to hear us do. And um, we've had a few more suggestions. One of them you won't like. Um, what is it? It's uh, theatre and musical shows, but I know you're not a fan of them. Well, I think I could cobble together a top five. Yeah. If you, you could count the musical films as well. Like, I like, I'd like. i count them for well, you. Well, I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, I could do it. I'm not a massive fan, but I reckon I've got five that I've enjoyed somewhat. There'll be one for the future. Yeah. Um, what else have we had? We've top five drinks. I think I mentioned that last week, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, people are emailing in with their suggestions, so just keep that up. And also, um, drop us an email with your top five list. We'd love to see what your top five rom-coms are. See if there's any crossovers. See if there's any that we haven't watched and we're interested in. Or if not, you can always fax us at Mammon Podcast. Uh... <laughs> our, our, our new thing is that you got a fax machine in the background there. <laughs> can you... I bet you can research a fax noise. What's, I don't even know what a fax noise is. Faxes don't make noises these days. Did they Did they back in the past? Though? I think they made the sound of a um, modem, didn't they? The... 
I can't make that noise. <laughs> we, well, that sounds like what I'd imagine a bomb exploding on Mars would sound like in a oh, cartoon. You're like so much younger than me. You probably don't know what modem is. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I had AOL. <laughs> God, those were the days, weren't they? Those imagine. were the days. Yeah. I remember my cousin made a, a, a forum. You know, when they first kind of started. Yeah. Um, the olden days of the internet. Ever, yeah. I read, read a thing, it's like, back in when the internet first came out for us, it was genuine, each website was like so unique. Now there's just like five websites out there that you use and that's it. I know. And it's very true. Have you, have you ever seen the Space Jam website? No. It's identical to how it was back in 96 when the film came out. It hasn't changed. So look. This is Mike now typing away. Having a look Do you know what you talk about? Low. You have five websites, you don't use any more. I think part of that as well is because the internet scares me way more now than it did back then. Oh my god, it really is old. Yeah, it hasn't changed, and the site's still up, and I love it. So good. Someone got paid some decent money for that as well, didn't they? Yeah. Which makes me laugh, because a child could do this. In yeah, it's in absolutely awful. I bet. No. Have a Google now, guys. It's awful. Probably hasn't got a mobile website. Right, let's go, and I will see you. <laughs> that's how, you, you, that's how you end a podcast. Right, let's go. Right, I'm bored now. <laughs> Speak to you later, guys. Speak to you later. <laughs> Yep. Cheers. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Get your guesses in. I want that tattoo to happen. Yes. And we also, I'll say it on the height of the episode now, apologise if there's not an episode next week. When this episode comes out, I said it last week, but it didn't happen. When this episode comes out, I should have a baby here. So we might be a bit lucid with the episodes to begin with. Or we'll get more done because they sleep all the time. Yeah. And, or yeah. you're, you're just up all the time. Well, yeah. <laughs> Lauren has said she doesn't mind me still doing this, so... Lucky us. <laughs> maybe what... maybe she just wants to get me away. Maybe she's just like, <laughs> you know, you're going to be awful looking after this baby. You fuck off for two hours and record your podcast. <laughs> Let me have some peace and quiet yeah. from you. <laughs> but yeah, I just want to apologise now, but we will try our best to get an episode out if we can. And also, definitely congratulations. This will be our longest shit show rambling at the end. So. Oh, definitely. What should we say? What what can they, what emoji can they put in that proves they've been on it? Put the wizard emoji or the star emoji if you got to the end to prove you did. No, yeah. no reference. We'll know. Yeah, we'll know if yeah. we see that emoji. And um, get a shout out next next week. That's what we'll do. We'll shout yeah. you out if you do that. Yeah. Like, but hopefully not too many of you have done that. Then I really hope this is where we're going to get like five hundred people suddenly. All of that, all of the followers suddenly appear for this episode. I'd commit though, even if it was like twenty minutes. Of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, ju- we'll just have an episode shouting everyone's names out. <laughs> Right, yeah. Thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you soon. See you soon, everyone. Bye. Bye.